Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello, Six Packers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic. This is episode number 10. America's economy is booming. The vast majority of working-age Americans have never seen prosperity like we have today. I've never understood why, but the only working-age people not working don't want a job, because for the first time in American history, there are more jobs than there are people to fill them. The Trump administration is downright giddy about the economy and its bright prospects for the future. They boast about there being more jobs than available workers. But I contend this is a bad thing. It's a sign we're committing national suicide, which is indicative of a much larger global problem. Worse yet, we Catholics are more to blame than any other group of people. I'll tell you why when we come back. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts, and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. To be perfectly frank, the fact that the Trump economy has produced more jobs than Americans to fill them isn't something we should celebrate. The first most obvious problem this creates is that we'll have to continue to import labor from other countries. Trump is only concerned with stopping illegal immigration, but he wants and needs continued legal immigration to be able to fill these jobs. One reason that's a bad thing is because modern immigrants won't assimilate into our society the way immigrants did in the past, and we're quickly losing our unique American identity. 
However, this is just the most immediate effect of having more jobs than people. It's not the actual problem. The actual problem is our own fault, and that problem is that we intentionally don't produce enough children to perpetuate ourselves. The global population continues to grow, but it's not growing at a rate that allows the sustainability of the human race. Opponents to population growth say that we're overpopulated as it is, but that's a myth. Did you know that if we could suddenly move all the people in the world to the confines of the state of Texas, every living human being would have approximately 1,100 square feet of personal living space? That would leave the rest of the globe completely uninhabited. If you don't believe that, do the math. I already did. So the problem isn't overpopulation, but actually underpopulation. The way the human life cycle has been since creation is that we have children and take care of them until they're ready to tackle life and the world. Then these younger generations take care of us older folks in one way or another while they produce another young generation. Younger people take care of old people in various ways. Older folks spend a lifetime saving for their golden years. They invest their savings to build a retirement nest egg in investment vehicles established and maintained by the younger folks. Sometimes, though, things don't work out and adult children actually have to take care of their parents. That's just the way things work. It can't work that way anymore, though. It's not possible. Social Security will be completely gone before the middle of this century. The system's broke because Congress stole all the money you've paid in. They talk about a trust fund with our money in it, but the trust fund is actually empty. All that's there is a stack of IOUs. And because we haven't been producing children and people are living longer, there aren't enough people to take care of the older folks. It's only going to get worse with subsequent generations. That's why the culture of death has begun pushing an agenda calling for euthanasia of the elderly. In 1919, a mere century ago, it wasn't uncommon for a family to have nine children, especially in rural areas. But the average American family had six children, and divorce was essentially unheard of. But something was brewing in Europe that would prove to threaten the demise of all of Western culture and society. Sigmund Freud, hailed by many as the father of psychoanalysis, and Margaret Sanger, the foundress of Planned Parenthood, along with others of their ilk, such as Margaret Mead and Alfred Kinsey, consciously began what is known today as the sexual revolution. A 12th century sultan said, If you want to destroy any nation without war, make adultery or nudity common in the young generation. And that's exactly what these people did. The sexual revolution really caught on in Europe, affecting America later, but with equal devastation. So much so that by 1950, families only averaged four children as opposed to six, and the divorce rate was escalating to never-before-heard-of levels. Thanks to the introduction of the pill, by 1970, the average American family only had three children, which has since dropped to 1.9 children today. The saddest thing is, Catholics fit into the very same family demographic as non-Catholic families, despite that the Church's perennial teaching has always been a condemnation of contraception. Let's take a little more in-depth look at what's happened. 
All Christian religions in the world at one time taught against contraception. But as I said, the sexual revolution really caught on in Europe. So much so, in fact, that members of the Church of England had petitioned the Anglican bishops about using contraception. At the infamous 1930 Lambeth Conference of Anglican Bishops, the Church of England was the very first Christian religion to reverse its teaching on contraception. I've read that shameful decision. It essentially said that contraception is a sin worthy of eternal damnation, but that Anglicans could now have permission to use it. How in the world anyone could be arrogant enough to change God's own law is beyond me, but that's not really what the point is here. In the United States in 1930, all 48 states had a law against contraception. Of course, those laws were as impossible to enforce as today's suicide laws, but our laws used to reflect traditional morality. Because of the Lambeth Conference, by 1935, all the laws regarding contraception were either repealed or completely ignored. Contraception, the sexual revolution, and Planned Parenthood had firmly been implanted in American society, but the Catholic Church continues to condemn the practice of contraception as a sin that'll send you to hell. You might say, but Joe, I don't agree with the Church on this one. As far as I'm concerned, you don't have to agree. After all, you have a free will, and it's not my place to tell you what you have to do. But if you believe in God, disagreeing with the church on the prohibition against contraception isn't an option. Not because the bishops say so, but because Jesus said so. Jesus repeatedly told us that anyone who listens to the apostles and their successors in matters of faith and morals are listening to him. And if we reject what they say, then we're rejecting him. For impact, he carried it further. He said that if we reject him, we reject the one who sent him, and that would be God the Father. Paul tells us in Hebrews that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because he's the embodiment of perfection. Because he's God. A thing that can change isn't perfect. So because Jesus is perfect, he can't change. Consequently, his laws can never change. The logical conclusion is that we have to accept the divine law banning the use of contraception, unless we don't care about going to hell for all eternity. The very first command God ever gave to man was to be fruitful and multiply. In the 38th chapter of Genesis, we see God taking the life of Onan for his attempt at contraception. The Didache, also called the Teaching of the Twelve Apostles, is the oldest non-biblical document in Christianity. It specifically talks about abortion and contraception as mortal sins. In fact, it ranks abortion and contraception as sins equal in their seriousness. As we can see then, God is serious about us not using contraception. He really won't care if you continue to reject his ban on contraception either. He just wants you to be a big boy or big girl and not cry about the eternal punishment he'll hand out if you do. Of course, until now, you may have just been ignorant of the church's prohibition of contraception. That happens. I have a friend in Texas who operates a very successful prison apostolate. It's the best I've ever seen, and I've had a lot of experience in that line of work myself, so I know what I'm talking about. My friend's apostolate is different from most, though. He works only in maximum security prisons and only with the most dangerous and violent men Texas incarcerates. He places his own life and safety in jeopardy every time he enters a max prison. 
I once asked my friend why he willingly risks his life for this apostolate. He told me it was his penance. He said that until the years near the end of his time raising a family, he didn't know that contraception was a sin. When he found out it was such a serious sin, he and his wife stopped using it. They didn't produce any more children after ending their use of contraception, but he still felt like he needed to make reparation for using it throughout his married life. Of course, God has blessed his act of reparation by granting him many wonderful graces to build an incredibly successful prison apostolate that reaps many souls, men whose society wrote off long ago. There are other reasons why contraception is wrong. To begin, it violates natural law. We know from our observation of nature that the only purpose of the conjugal act is to produce offspring. People often respond to me that sex has another purpose, to express love and to get and give pleasure. Not so. Those are benefits of the purpose of sex, but not the reason for sex. God made sex pleasurable and a means of expressing affection so that we would do it for procreation. After all, we'd never make babies if doing so hurt or repulsed us. Anyway, this is why we know intuitively, even in ignorance of God's law, that contraception is wrong. This is also why we know that anal sodomy, fellatio to orgasm, and masturbation are wrong. Anything of a sexual nature that isn't open to the transmission of a new human life is wrong. Another dimension to contraception is medical. It's been proven that all chemical contraceptives are abortifacient. Thanks to the pill and other chemical contraceptives, untold and undetected millions of babies are chemically aborted unwittingly by mothers who would have accepted and loved that new baby. There are other negative medical effects to using contraception. Women who use contraceptives have a much higher rate of breast and reproductive organ cancer than those who don't. There are a lot of women who have been condemned to a premature death because of their use of contraceptives. Fellas, a part of loving, honoring, and cherishing your wife is to protect her. If you could protect your wife from cancer, wouldn't you? If you could protect your pregnant wife and your child that she's carrying, wouldn't you? Well, then stop using contraceptives. Another bad effect of using contraceptives is what it does to a marriage. When contraceptives are being used, the natural biological rhythms of a woman's body are being disrespected. Rather than being the exalted queen of a husband's heart that a wife is supposed to be, she becomes something less than a person. She becomes an object of pleasure. Surveys show that 99% of Catholics who end up in divorce court are using contraception, as opposed to 1% of Catholics who don't. I'm not saying to have as many babies as possible. That's irresponsible. A lot of serious factors have to be considered when thinking about the possibility of having children. Serious reasons for spacing out births may come from physical or psychological conditions of the husband or wife, or from external conditions, such as affordability. However, selfishness is always a sinful motive. Did you know that the typical use of the pill is effective only about 92% of the time in preventing pregnancies? But natural family planning is better, a lot better. Natural family planning refers to several methods that are in conformity to the biological harmonies God has impressed upon the human nature. These methods use no chemicals nor gadgets. They're based on sound scientific knowledge and they're completely harmless, reliable, and healthy.
In fact, Pope St. John Paul II commissioned a group of scientists to study NFP and its effects. These scientists discovered that, rightly used, NFP methods are more reliable and effective than any form of artificial contraception. There are several exceptionally good NFP methods available. My personal favorite is the Creighton method. The Creighton model was developed by Dr. Thomas Hilgers, the founder and director of the Pope Paul VI Institute, and it can be used to both prevent pregnancy and increase fertility. There's also the Billings Ovulation Method, the Symptothermal Method, and several others. All these NFP methods are in conformity to both God and nature's laws. If you'll go to the show notes for this episode on my website, cantankerouscatholic.com, you'll find a lot of links to some very good resources. The links aren't listed in any particular order of importance. They're only there to help you in your decision-making process. However, if you need additional assistance, contact me. I'm only too glad to be of service. Using these methods, you'll begin to find that you'll contribute to America in a more positive way, have a much healthier and productive marriage, a lower chance of cancer and reproductive health problems, and you'll greatly improve your chances for avoiding hell. What do Billy D. Williams, the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell, and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross? Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity, how the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Only a fool believes the Catholic Church isn't in shambles. Christ's Church is full of scandal. Our current pontiff is in blatant heresy, and the laity live in a perpetual state of confusion. But there's hope. There are still a handful of bishops we can count on for orthodox leadership, priests who love and work for souls, and laity-led apostolates that serve divinely revealed truth in every way imaginable. We want to do a great service for you by telling you about them in every episode. So here's today's Catholic Contribution. The Lepanto Institute for the Restoration of All Things in Christ is a research and education organization dedicated to the defense of the Catholic Church against assaults from without as well as from within. Whether in the form of armies, heretics, or traitors, the Church has always faced enemies seeking her destruction. Today, the Church faces all three. In 1571, at the famous Battle of Lepanto, recourse to the Rosary saved the church against a powerful force. Soldiers and sailors still had to rely upon their wits, strength, and blood in the fight, but it was Our Lady of the Rosary who ultimately brought the victory. Today, a powerful force is again assaulting Holy Mother Church, but in a much more subtle manner. 
The Lepanto Institute was created to present the facts regarding organizations that claim the name Catholic or even Christian, but are acting in opposition to the teachings of our blessed Lord and His Holy and Immaculate Church. Sadly, organizations like Catholic Relief Services, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, the Catholic Health Association, and many others are giving aid and comfort to the enemies of Christ. Even worse, dissident and apostate Catholics in politics and other prominent arenas are giving a false witness to the faith by claiming to be Catholic while promoting abortion, contraception, and homosexuality. As a remedy to this grave situation, the purpose of the Lepanto Institute is to encourage recourse to the rosary, particularly offered for bishops and priests, while presenting the facts on individuals and institutions such as these. The Lepanto Institute is a genuine Catholic contributor. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. Gene Tooney was the world heavyweight boxing champion from 1926 to 1928. In a Midwestern city, a group of businessmen were entertaining him at a dinner. After the meal, several women began to put on a floor show, and it was indecent. The women didn't get too far into their number when Tooney, who was trained from childhood in the high standards of Catholic modesty, made up his mind to do one thing, his duty. Rising from his seat at the speaker's table, Tooney said simply, Gentlemen, I don't care for this kind of show. I find it indecent and offensive. You'll have to excuse me. It was dead silent as Tooney walked quickly from the room with every eye on him. Soon other chairs were pulled back, then almost everybody began to leave the hall. Finally, the half-dressed dancers rushed out in shame. Gene Tooney fought many a battle on both the battlefields of France in World War I and in the boxing ring, but he never fought a braver battle than this one. In decent entertainment and filthy literature and videos, lower and twist the standards of young Catholic men and women. The most precious thing in your soul is your purity. Don't let your mind be poisoned by improper entertainment and reading. I'll see you next time, six-packers. And remember, comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.